Defining Connection Economy Radio. This is Tribe FM. Right, here we are, Mr. Barnes. Session three of our 12-part series on the power of free. You promised us last time that it was purple cows. Bring the cows home, good sir. Right, well, uh, very, very important book by Seth Godin. Interesting story, this one. Seth Godin wrote this book in 2003. It's called Purple Cow. And the idea is to understand that in the connection economy, as we're in now, that the only thing that commands any kind of value uh, in an over-communicated world is attention. Mm. And, and so if you're going to command someone's attention in an over-communicated world, you, there has to be something about you that's different. Yep. And Seth Godin couched this as being remarkable, and they came up with this concept of purple cow. And purple cow, in his book, is driven by this idea that you know, you can be sitting in a car driving through the um, countryside of France and, you know, field after field after field, pasture after pasture after pasture. There's just, you know, black and white and brown cows. But, you know, you turn one corner and all of a sudden standing right there in front of you just over the hedge is a, a cow that's purple. Mm-hmm. So you're clearly going to stop the car and take photos and, you know, do a Facebook Live and all the rest of that kind of stuff because how the hell, you know, how often do you see a purple cow? So that core uh, notion has always been writ large in my thinking uh, about commerce, believe it or not, even before Seth Godin wrote this book in 2003. Um, and the reason why I can say that is because in 1999, Martin and I built an immigration product in Hong Kong called Visa Time. And it was, uh, you know, the web was three years old at this point. And what we did was we reduced the process of getting a Hong Kong employment visa, an employment visa extension process is very straightforward, but reduce that process down to a system that was so swished and so wrapped up in such a way that we could deliver the solution for uh, less than a thousand Hong Kong dollars, including immigration department fees and couriers there and back. Mm. So um, I knew that we would need to market that in a new and interesting way. And we kind of wanted it to be different. Um, so we designed it as being the first of its kind. Nothing like that had ever been seen in Hong Kong immigration, perhaps any professional services, to be honest, at that time. But we designed it in such a way so that it would be remarkable in its DNA. And then the advertising campaign that we uh, had to use locally was uh, I did a, deals with all the F&B uh, outlets in uh, in Wan Chai and in Lang Kwai Fong, uh, where I would do their visa, the extensions for their visa um, holders uh, for free in exchange for being able to hang these little stick men advertisements on the back of toilet doors uh, around this idea. <laughs> Your your visa, our time. <laughs> uh, it was very sort of right, really very basic, but just remarkable stand off the page esque, you know, on the back of a toilet door when you're, you, you know, urinating in the men's, you're against the men's urinal. You've got to look at it, right? So, anyway, that's, uh, that's what we did then. But that was in 1999. It was three or four years before Seth Godin wrote this book, Purple Cow. And when he wrote this book, um, 
the way that uh, he delivered it to everybody was through a um, this first 1,000 customers, I think, that, that took the book down, got it delivered in a milk carton, a purple milk carton. Mm. Um, and then uh, I think, I forget what the numbers are, but uh, after maybe 50,000 books had been distributed, he, he, he did a sort of, you know, pay for two but get 10 copies type of thing so that you would, be able to, you know, deliver it to people who you thought, or give it to people who you thought will get benefit from it. So, mm. you know, he was he was using purple cow techniques to actually uh, market the purple cow idea virus. Yep. Uh, so, a very very clever guy. So that that's what purple cow's all about. And um, uh, fundamentally, it was driven by his book in 2003 that he gave me great, you know, ability to reference to. But my thinking goes back, you know, beyond this. So, I, you know, I. Great minds think alike, so to speak, right? Okay, so if if we expand this this concept of uh, of the purple cow, but really what he's saying is, for you to stand out, you need to be remarkable, and we know that people don't give us their attention as much as we'd like them to because they are bombarded with information. In this day and age, given that purple cow was what eighteen, nineteen years ago. And there's probably vastly more information available and we bombarded with so much more now. How can you still stand out? And what would you do to stand out? That entirely depends on your niche and what you understand about the marketplace that you exist to serve. Okay. And it's going to be completely different in every instance. The way that we made a purple cow of ourselves was to actually give all their intellectual property away for free. Okay. And do you think do you think if you have a look at the business you have, do you think that is a bigger hook than double your money back guarantee or the de-risking notion? What giving stuff away for free? Well, if if, as, if you had to say if you had to have a look now, given that you've run um, the Hong Kong Visa Center and all of the other businesses for nearly ten years. What would you say would be the most remarkable aspect that people would latch on to now uh, as, as a concept? Well, I think, it, okay, so the answer to that question must, you have to, you've got to go back to the reason why people are giving your attention in the first place. Mm. Why are they there in front of you? Okay. So it depends on their emotion. And, and, and I think that at this stage in the early growth of an idea virus, such as intelligent content marketing, that the... The, the primary mindset that will command the intelligent content marketing will command the attention of is fear. Okay. We know that there's a small percentage that there's a lot of people affected by affected professionally by uh, COVID and the world is changing and they all of them at some stage or another are going to have to you know deal with the consequences of the fact that we're now in the connection economy. Okay. I think those the people that will take action first and who will give their best attention to this stuff will be those people who, like me 10 years ago, are driven, in a sense, by survival. Yeah, and then I think later on, just the normal sort of distribution of early adopters versus, uh, you know, uh, laggards or whatever they're called, uh, I think that phenomenon will apply. Um, and uh, the early adopters in this instance, I think, will be those that are driven by survival and necessity rather than intellectual curiosity, or is this for me or not for me, or can I be bothered with it or otherwise. Okay, so if fear is the motivator that gets them looking, what would you say is the purple cow that gets them stopping and, as you said, Instagramming? You mean in terms of intelligent content marketing? Yes. 
Right. Well, I think it's the, it's the simple fact that there is a way forward. The purple cow nature of this is that it, there's a way forward. Okay. Um, right now, the people that we exist to serve in our tribe are guys like you and me. Really, we we're good at we're good at some stuff, and we know we can deliver value to people as a result of what we're good at. And we know the world has changed, so we have to use the internet to do that. So the question is, how do I go about using the internet? What does that business model look like, and how accessible is it to me? For and how much you know can I actually take comfort from the fact that I can actually you know, get value out of this and, and, and change in a way that you know, I need to change to bring about the positive outcomes that's manifestly available, right? Mm. And, so, um, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, and in other business models that you've seen or rather other businesses around the world that have used the internet and, and various forms of marketing, what would you say other purple cows have stopped you in your tracks and you've gone, oh my God, that's brilliant? Let me see. I thought the Dollar Shave Club thing was good when they first brought that to market. I thought that was very clever. Yes. Um, it's been done over a few times now. You know, the, I, I think what, what I'm taking away from, from what, you know, the description of the purple cow is what do businesses do to make them seem far more remarkable than others? And I, Well, they don't. They, they don't. Didn't. That's the point. Ah. In the, in, no, in the, industrial, in, in, the, in the industrial economy, they never did. Um, so it's kind of telling that um, if you're going to build an intelligent, if you're going to build a connection economy business model, then you need to understand that it's about gaining people's attention. So by definition, you need to be a purple cow. That, that's just the way it is. That's the reality now. It's part and parcel of an intelligent content marketing connection economy business model. Okay. But in the industrial economy, there would have been, you know, maybe a million people read Seth Golden's book, Purple Cow. But you know, you just asked me how cite some really good examples of purple cows. <laughs> I'm sorry, well, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> well, well, no, your point's well taken because the reality is, uh, you know, there aren't that many. I mean, in the final analysis, you can understand what's going on in in every niche in the in, in the world. You just simply can't understand it. There's a, you've only got a snapshot of about a hundred parts of the internet mm. within your grasp, and then everything else, unless you go looking for stuff. Mm. You know, it's just you know, it's just an endless pit, right? So you don't, you just don't go there. I'll, I'll give you um, some examples. So, in so my not everything world. comes to your attention. Okay, yeah, please. So, okay, Netflix. All right. Besi yeah. Besides, purple the, cow. besides the fact that they're completely an inevitable purple cow. Yes, and besides the fact that they completely disrupted everything and and really made it easy to use, the thing that stood out to me the best was that. If you're not happy, you can cancel immediately, no problem at all. All of these industrial economy ones, we've got this, um, it, it's super sport and uh, what do they call it, uh, MNET. So it's it's global in terms of what they do for sport, but locally they are a basically a, a channel provider and they charge eight times the price currently of Netflix. They show the same movies, and uh, my girlfriend had um, her subscription, and it was nigh impossible to cancel the bloody thing. You know, you go through hoops. They, they're stuck in this old industrial era of keeping you on the hook and making it as difficult as it possibly can be to get out of it, yet provide you no value. Yet these new guys come along. They give you all of the value in the world, and they are they say we are as good as you are as being part of our little community of people who share in what Netflix is. If you're not happy, 
give us your cancellation and no harm, no foul. And there's no risk as a consumer. And for me, for me, that's remarkable. Well, I, well I, exactly. But guess what? You know, eventually that will become the norm. These will be the standards that enterprises have to expect to uh, deliver. And otherwise, you know, social um, the, 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 the social pressure that will come upon them uh, will, will force them to change their behavior because at the end of the day, you've got to try and deliver the best possible value that's equitable all around. It's mm. got to be a win-win relationship. And if someone's coming away with a bit of taste in their mouth, then then it's failing, right? It's, there's no sustainability in that. And and I think there's no greater confidence in your own product than saying, if you're not happy, you can cancel it right away. There's no 30 days. Remember the old days of gym contracts where you had to sign up for two years and they kept you locked in and you could fight them tooth and nail and they'd never let you out of it. Uh, it's it's same yeah, well, old mindset, you know. Yeah, well, you know that's not going to prevail much any longer. That's the no. reality. It's uh, dog eat dog out there now, and the internet's the great leveler. So you can, for example, you could be a 25-year long-standing expert employee in a global Fortune 500 company with expertise in one particular niche, right? Um, that uh, that you, you can take from your time with that global fortune 500 company and then immediately put it into uh, an intelligent content marketing business model of your own for no money invested you you can compete quite properly against uh, a global fortune 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 500 competitor um, and for the most part the global fortune 500 competitor you know won't have the early bandwidth to be able to to sort of adopt quickly to the realities of the connection economy. So what an amazing opportunity for people, right? You can, you can, you can now formally out-compete out and out-compete massively. You're like your, your ex-employer. Make far much more money monopolizing your niche now that you can do it all yourself for free. Okay, so here there's two questions that come out of that. If you're starting a new business, obviously you would start it with the connection economy mindset. What about the situation where you already have a company but it is doing business in the old-fashioned way and say you had a say you had a subscription-based business and you were a gym for example and you relied on a customer base that paid you that were locked into a contract how do you break that mindset yourself to say right i'm going to go out on a limb here uh, like my mate carhill did in in hong kong when he set up a gym he, mm -hmm. he called it you um, time and U -time. basically the concept of the gym was we are here to serve you you pay for your gym when you do your gym and that's how it works and we we're open 24 7 and it's a brilliant concept because it disrupted the gym model in a very big way um Obviously, yeah, he well, doesn't know how many members he's going to have, and he doesn't know what his revenue is going to be, but he's totally reliant on the service that he provides and people coming back. Well, I would be, if I, if it, you asked me a question there about how, if I was a gym operator, how would I make ready for the connection economy? Well, I'd, I'd, I'd get my crystal ball out and I'd say to myself, will people 10 years from now still be traipsing down to a gym? to exercise themselves in the way that they do according to the way that the industry has grown for the last 15 or 20 years or whatever it's been will it will will, will, will this profession or will the will the thing about going to the gym will it look 10 years from now as it does today yay or nay mm. that's the first thing i'd do uh, and then I'd, 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 I'd then understand what that future technology uh, experience beholds and i would start 
getting into it as soon as I possibly could. Mm. Uh, and then I would be making ready for participating in, you know, the new way that uh, I expect people will be working out in the future. I mean, without going into too, too many details, um, uh, I've got a client that uh, has this sort of uh, electromagnetic stimulation technology that's been proven to to work for uh, decades. Uh, the problem has been apparently that the technology has always been clumsy to make it consumerized. Well, these guys have kind of consumerized it and they've mm. proven it and they've got all the big wigs around the world that are involved in it and they've got big investors in Hong Kong that are involved in all the rest of this good stuff. So there's 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 disruption ahead for the uh, for the gym model, and mm. uh, I've had an, a bit of an insight into what that looks like. I'm not going to talk about it here, but changes afoot in every area. This is what happens in the connection economy. Yeah. Now it becomes apparent that there's that yeah, you can rethink the way that things have always been done, and how can you make them more efficient, and how can you you know give uh, the best possible customer experience in these circumstances because it's about the relationships and the value that you exchange. Uh, on that same subject, I for the first time on CNN, I saw an advert for, you know, you get these uh, training bicycles and you get all of these things and they've got these screens on and you can do workouts with other people at the same time, etc. I don't know if you've seen it. There is this, it, it looks like a stand-up mirror, okay? And you can watch yourself mm -hmm. in the mirror doing exercise, but it's, also got a video camera in so it's actually a screen so you doing a workout remotely with other people looking at yourself in the mirror but also seeing other people do the workout it's mind-bending and what a perfect time wow during lockdown to to launch the product exactly <laughs> exactly right? how precipitous exactly. was that There's it's incredible yeah, yeah. Look, there's there's a guy. Um, I forget his name, but he's the chief. He's the chief technology evangelist for Salesforce. And last year, he wrote a uh, he wrote a piece. I think it was in Medium or somewhere. Um, but anyway, he, he set out uh, from 2020 what the focus of the new economy was all about. And, you know, he put a list, I think, of 10 things. And one was like, you know, uh, drone delivery, um, smart robotics, uh, it's uh, cashless payments, uh, touchless apps, this kind of stuff. Uh, and he, he listed on their um, online education, which is obviously the space that we're in for intelligent content marketing and power of free. Mm. And um, uh, he just laid he laid out kind of like, you know, what the what the world is going to be thinking about in the connection economy. And these are the industries that are going to kind of result from all of this thinking. And uh, there's going to be a technology in your space that's going to avail an opportunity to do something or to deliver value that you've delivered, you know, one way historically uh, in a new and completely different way. Like we've like we've proven with the Hong Kong Visa Center and indeed with intelligent content marketing, the power of free. I'll, I'll tell you a quirky little story. I was chatting to Lee, my girlfriend's son, Ethan. Now he's 18 and we're going to go down to Cape Town because he wants to uh, study acting. And, you know, when you have a conversation with somebody that's, what, 35 or something like 32 years younger than you, uh, you, you know, you just talk the way that you normally talk. And I, we were talking about bringing a television up to the mountains because they're going to come up and stay here in December. So I said, but what we'll have to do is get bunny ears just so that you can watch television. And he looked at me and he didn't have a clue. 
He said, what are bunny ears? So I said, no, it's like an aerial <laughs> that you put on a television. And we, we actually went shopping for uh, some stuff. And I, uh, we went to the secondhand store. And there were bunny ears. And I showed him. And I said, bunny ears. And he said, oh, okay. He was completely underwhelmed. But that's just a generational thing. Um, but the point that I, that I wanted to get to is that technology changes. And, you know, there's, there's industries that no longer exist. I mean, you can't walk into a shop now and get your film developed. Or if you do, it's a specialist thing. Whereas in our generation, that was the only way that you got pictures developed. You went to a shop and they developed it unless you did it as a hobby at home. Um, going back to the transition now because of COVID and things like that, from an industrial economy to a connection in economy. And if you have a look at the way that those industries like uh, old-fashioned film and all of that stuff has changed, is there a point where people with professional services will no longer be relevant? And how do you remain relevant using intelligent content marketing? Well, okay. Yes, 100% everybody's going to be relevant because people are always going to have problems that they need solving or they need questions that they need answering to and these are opportunities for you to create relationships and exchange value at scale mm. you know even if every single piece of human endeavor was reduced to an intelligent content marketing type zero to one peter teal proposition fully you know done that's it all the monopolies that could ever be made in all service areas have all been done they've all been wedded into the internet mm. um there's still going to be new niches that emerge um, as and when, uh, you know, new opportunities in life present themselves. So it's kind of like the, the utmost in, 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 in creativity, this whole thing. Mm. I, I was fascinated by your answer when we chatted the last time about the, um, the tax expert and using the farming as an example. Um, and my takeaway from that was that if you do have skills in a particular sector, all you have to do is find new and interesting ways of marketing those skills. Yeah, and we must. And when you get right down to it, those new and interesting ways of marketing your skills—it's not about trying to persuade anybody anymore. Those those moments have got those days have moved on. Mm. Now it's about it's about being of use. Okay. And, and if we use that same chap who's the accountant with the specialist skill, what would you say he could do to be a purple cow, bringing us back to today's slide? Well, he could be the first person in his niche to materialize that kind of proposition. And by itself, that act would be a purple cow. Good. The secret to being remarkable, good sir. Yeah, it's all about being remarkable. You know, um, you think about how much attention went and detail went into the entire Apple experience. You know, when you unroll the unfurl an iPhone, mm. it's a it's a work of art. You know, that whole thing as it reveals itself to you, it's kind of you want to make love to it, right? Well, <laughs> Apple have understood that. Okay. Apple have understood that there there's emotions there's emotions through design that can be trapped, and those emotions can be uh, captured in a way that, you know, evoke a sense of, you know, connection to a particular idea virus. In fact, that's what the iPhone is. Um, 
such that it makes a raving fan and you achieve your you know your brand objectives in one fell swoop by having you know thought through the entire customer experience that's remarkable nobody was doing that until apple came along right okay so what is the idea virus of the i suite of products obviously it's ipod i this i that i spend money with apple i I think it's Apple. I think that's what they've done. Apple, when you speak of Apple, um, mind, your mind space is occupied by certain images that are uniquely theirs. Hmm. And, you know, I'm sitting in the studio now. I've got a MacBook Air next to me. I'm looking at a 27-inch Mac. I'm looking at the smaller 21-inch Mac. My entire world revolves around Mac. And, you know, I considered getting a Samsung phone. But I'm just so entrenched with everything being Apple and it all talks to each other that I'm hooked. I, ca I can't change. Yeah, they are the world's quintessential first to market um, purple cow. And a monopoly at that. That's for sure. Right, good sir. What are we going to talk about in our next session? That's a good question. What, are we, what have we got coming up next? I think, oh, yeah, feel your market. This is about <laughs> getting to the heart of your customer. I'll catch up with you next time. So thank you very much. Great show. And uh, as always, be remarkable.